This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here along with the cousins, Derek and Tyler. We have a few things to dis- to discuss tonight. We'll chat about the Husker football roster and early enrollees. We'll also take an early peek at some of the more intriguing non-conference matchups in the Big Ten in 2020. There's been some interesting head coaching changes recently that we'll get into. But first, we need to talk about a coaching change in Lincoln. As you know, outside linebackers and special teams coach Javon DeWitt has left the program and is headed to North Carolina in a lateral move. Tyler, what do you make of this move anyway? You know, I think DeWitt was a very easy guy to root for, um, you know, so I wish him all the best. I also say this is not a a loss the way I felt that the Mike Dawson loss was last year. I, I mean, I think that was a position group that we definitely need an improvement. Special teams, we've definitely criticized on this podcast. Um, so, I mean, I, again, easy guy to root for. Wish him the best, but I don't – I think this is all opportunity ahead for the Huskers. Derek, what do you make of this transfer or, I, you know, whatever he did? You know? <laughs> I, I, I feel like there's no right answer because if I sit here and tell you good riddance, go away, you kind of sucked as a coach, you weren't that great of a recruiter, then I'm the asshat because I this guy that had cancer, all of a sudden I'm rooting against him, right? No. So, well, <laughs> you don't have a heart. Most other people would think that's probably an asshole move. Uh, I, I don't know. Hopefully a guy has good luck there. I, I wasn't real impressed with special teams the last two years. Uh, you know, he was the seventh highest paid linebacker coach in the country. Wow. So, I mean, it, it opens up some salary. He was the third highest paid. I, 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 I rephrase that. He was the fourth highest paid Husker assistant at $475,000 a year, only behind Greg Austin, who was making 500000 and then the two coordinators who are both making more than him uh I, I don't know uh it depends on who they hire i guess which i suppose we'll probably get into here in a little bit but Derek, that way it, it, it would just be nice to know who we're getting i guess to before i get too excited or too down if we're losing him Derek, do you think javon dewitt was forced out by scott frost mm, no no you think this is a no. move on his own <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I can't. I, I can't see Scott Frost doing that under the circumstances that were dealt with him and Lincoln. Yeah. However, however, if there were, I've said it before. Like if there was a coach that I wouldn't mind seeing go, it would probably be Dewitt. Right. Uh, Tyler, do you have any thoughts on who the coaching replacements could be? Well, I wrote down a few names. I did some checking, did some thorough research, and. Uh, you know, my number one pick, uh, the guy I, I would love to see as a return to Lincoln and uh, Carlos Polk for the Husker people. Uh, fans out there that remember Carlos Polk was a linebacker who played for the Huskers from 97 to 2001. So a little overlap with Scott Frost. Uh, you know, he was two-time All-Big 12, All-American, played eight years in the NFL. In the last decade, he's been coaching special teams in the NFL. So you have a guy who kind of fills the gaps already. He was a linebacker, played in the league, 
has special teams knowledge, you know, has a passion for the school. I think he is a natural fit for the Scott Frost and the, you know, coaches to bring on as a replacement. And now go, Justin. Just start bitching about that decision. Has he ever coached in college, Tyler? Uh, he, he has not. He is not, but he also uh, has 10 years as a special teams assistant. And he also has played linebacker for a very long time. So so he's not the special teams coach. He's an assistant special teams coach, correct? The, the, you, are, you are correct. Okay. All right. How about we just go get Super DeMario Williams? He was a linebacker at Nebraska. He was pretty good. It was good. I loved that guy. Uh, or, or how about Baron Miles, who blocked like every punt that was out there? I mean, unless he's going it. Look, there, there's no, there's no right answer here. The, to me, here's the deal. I, I, I think we'll probably end up getting Mike Dawson back. Uh, I know Justin does not like that move either, but the guy does have 20 years experience. My problem with him is he's only got like two or three years coaching special teams experience. And right now, I think what the what the staff needs to focus on is I can't believe I'm actually going to say this, but I think they need to go Mike Riley's route and hire a special teams coordinator, maybe one better than Bruce Reed, but maybe stick 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 to somebody who's just focusing strictly on special teams because. It's been mediocre to horrible. I mean, we've oh. had times where it's looked okay, and it's looked horrible a yeah. lot. Yeah, it's horrible so, is the correct word. I, I, like I said, I thought it improved in some aspects, especially in the coverage teams last year, uh, at least for most of the year until he played Wisconsin. It kind of went downhill from there. Uh, however, either way, uh, I, I think that at this point in time, I think the smartest thing to do would be to hire somebody strictly for special teams. Uh, Chenander can coach outside linebackers. Uh, Tuioti has coached outside has coached outside linebackers. And you know what? Barrett Rude is only coaching two players or two two guys or you know two inside linebackers. Let him coach four four groups of guys and. Just put the linebackers as a whole. I don't know why you necessarily need two linebackers coaches. My thoughts on Mike Dawson are this. The dude wants to coach in the NFL, so if you bring him back, you're bringing him back because he can't find a job. But if an NFL job opens up, the dude's going to bolt again, right? I mean, there, there's. I'm not sold that he, he would stay here. I don't here. know if that's necessarily true. Why? I mean, he he tried it out. He wanted to, Yeah, he wanted to try out the NFL, but just because – Maybe he didn't like the NFL. Maybe he spent his year there and realized it's a shit job, and he doesn't want to do that. Well, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't. Is that true? I don't. I don't know. But it's about as true as you saying he's automatically going to bolt for another job. Well, it, it, that's that was his dream: is to go coach in the NFL, and he and he lived and it. he lived his dream. And if so, have so, they not fired that coach? Gosh, any coach that wants to coach in the NFL someday, you better not hire him because. If that's the case, man, they might leave someday. I mean, come on, give me a break, Justin. Whoever we hire might leave. Like, yeah, I mean, are, are you, are you going to make them sign a contract for life? That's why you go forever. with Carlos Polk, who might stick around a while because of the Nebraska ties. Tyler, who else do you have on that list? Well, so a, a name that I thought was interesting was uh, Mark Snyder. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, but Mark Snyder was a former head coach of Marshall. He was a linebacker and special teams coach for Michigan State from 2015 to 2017. 
and most recently, he's been the linebacker special teams coach at Florida State. Well, as you know, and we're about to get to, Florida State just had a big coaching change, and right now he is without a job. So, Justin, you want a guy who's got some Power 5 experience. The guy's coached at Minnesota, Texas A&M, Michigan State, Florida State. He's got it. He's got the special teams experience. He's got the linebacker experience. Um, obviously, Florida State's been a little bit of a dumpster fire, and his head coaching resume was not exactly a uh, you know rousing success. But um, I don't know. I don't know if that name popped up on either of your guys' radar. What do you think about that one, Justin? You didn't like Carlos Polk. What about my number two choice? Yeah, I, I like that. I can be. I can get behind that. College football, or you know, experiencing college football and recruiting and all that. Uh, yeah, I, I can get behind that. Look, I, I just think it's silly. Uh, back to Carlos Polk. You know, I'm sure he's he's a great guy. You know, former Husker. He could be a great coach, but I just think it's silly that just because somebody played at Nebraska, they're automatically going to be the best coach for the job just because they played at Nebraska. And it's just, it's completely silly. We're so, not saying Jason Peter here. We're not, we're not sitting here. I'm not advocating like Jason Peter come in and be the coach. I mean, th- this is a guy who d- Carlos Polk does have a pedigree, right? Yeah. Like he does. I mean, he's been around football. He's been coaching it. Now, the one negative about Carlos Polk is, I don't know if you watch any of the Cowboys, but their special teams this year was not exactly uh, great. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I don't know how much you read into that. But two, two, They go, had their own kicking problems there. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I got two more names, and I'll be curious what Derek says. But one of the other names I got is a former NFL superstar, um, Terrell Buckley. Do you guys remember Terrell Buckley? So, Terrell Buckley... Remember the name. Okay, so Terrell Buckley played in the NFL for a very long time. You know, he he's a Super Bowl champion. Um, you know, he he played in the NFL um, with the Packers, Patriots, you know, Dolphins, a bunch of teams. Um, he is another guy. So I kind of looked at guys that might be without a job. He's been coaching at Mississippi State very recently. Um, but you got have a guy with the Super Bowl ring. Now, the only thing about him is he has not coached special teams, and most of his career he's been more in the secondary. He has a little bit of linebacker experience, but um, but again, he's pretty young. And um, and I apologize, right down the ranking, he is one of the better recruiters in the country. Um, so definitely a guy. And the last name I had was Don Pelham. Um, for you don't know who Don Pelham is, he is a former Oregon assistant. Um, he coached at Oregon from 93 to 2016, so a little bit of Scott Frost overlap there in Oregon. Um, he's currently a linebacker's coach at UCLA. We all know the dumpster fire UCLA is, but him and Scott Frost definitely have a little bit of history. Um, I could see maybe Scott Frost making a play for him, giving him special teams too. Could be seen as a promotion. Um, so, so those were my, four, my top four in order. All right, Derek, thoughts? Well, wouldn't we be going for two points if he's the special teams coordinator? Like every time? Because that's what Oregon was always known for. I mean, I look, I don't know. I How about Bob Diaco? He liked to work with the punters. We can get million-dollar Bob away from Purdue just to come coach special teams. Yeah, I doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> look, I, I, I didn't do quite as much research as Tyler did. I apologize. I don't know. The only reason I did not is I don't think it's going to matter because I think Mike Dawson's going to be the automatic in guy. Whether you like it or not, I think he's coming back. Yeah. 
Well, we'll see. Hopefully, uh, by next week, we'll have somebody in line, so we'll be able to talk about that next week. Yeah. And, and I'm gonna uh, say, I, I'm gonna guess that none of my names will be it. I, I don't, I'm not convinced it's Mike Dawson again. I think Carlos Polk is the number one choice. I think that the best candidate out there because his ties with Nebraska, special teams experience, linebacking experience. God, and Justin's gonna be so pissed if that happens. No, I mean it's. I, I think I think it's just silly, really. I mean, if you've never coached uh, at the college level like that, uh, no experience recruiting, uh, just he's assistant special teams coach. I, just because look, look, he hasn't it, played at Nebraska. How, how much do you need your special teams coordinator to really recruit? Shoot. First off. Second off, he's not going to be any worse than DeWitt was recruiting anyway. Well, that that may be true. It probably can only go up from there. But well, and, Carla- and, 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 and the last thing about that, Justin, I don't. I think you read into that the wrong way. Like Tyler brings up that he's a former Husker, and you say, well, just because he's a former Husker doesn't mean it's a great – he should just get the job. I don't think that's the scenario. I think it's more of the fact that he's a former Husker. You have an option to get him. Because yeah. I don't know how many special teams coordinators are going to leave a job to come here right now either. No, and, and, and you get – you're right. He's never – you know he he's never been a recruiter, but neither has Barrett Rude, and Barrett Rude has actually done a really nice job recruiting for us. And yeah, he's been around college football for a few years. But Carlos Polk, you know, played football at um, in Illinois. Um, obviously, that's a closer radius, and probably a good recruiting ground from that. And what does that mean? I don't know. But again, I I think I don't know. I just think getting guys that are bought into this program and gonna buy in under frost is going to be tough to do right now because obviously we know we've come off two back-to-back or three back-to-back uh no bowls so i i it's it's not like this is the most you know this isn't going to coach with nick saban here man i mean you're gonna have to find guys bought into the program what i disagree with you on that tyler is the fact that it's not like frost is out firing these guys and i think that's a difference these guys are off getting different jobs Mike Riley, I think it was getting tough for him to hire people because he was firing guys left and right, and nobody wants to come in for a year and get fired. Look, my, my whole point behind all this is Nebraska, may, may, maybe we are just a starter school now. We've been in the dumps so long, we're just a starter school where guys can get their first you know, college football Power 5 experience in coaching now. I mean, that's we don't have a lot of Power 5 experience in the coaching staff right now and then you know you just want to add to it you water it down the little experience that we do have by bringing in somebody that has no college football experience well come on justin the one guy that's got experience has 20 years of coaching experience you don't want to hire him because he might run off to the nfl i think it's a flight risk i mean bring him for a couple years you always talk about make up your mind what's more important the the coaching experience or the fact they might leave well and and again my my number two guy uh mark snyder I mean, since 2010, he's coached at four different schools. He's, a, I mean, everyone in college football is a flight risk. Look, my, my whole point was Mike Dawson had a job in Lincoln, and he left for the NFL. I mean, he, he, he didn't want to be there. He went to the NFL. You bring him back, I, I don't know. That's just, I don't know. Loyalty goes a long way, I guess. But anyway, uh, let's, let's move on. Let's talk about some early enrollees. Uh, they should be coming to campus really 
uh, soon here over the next week if they're not already there. Uh, Derek, give us the list of early enrollees and tell us who you think will benefit the most by getting some, uh, getting some good playing time next year. Uh, okay, well, first off, the, the semester starts, I believe, January 13th, so they should all, they'll all have to be on campus by then to be in class. Uh, as far as we have nine early enrollees, which I think is big because, I mean, you're damn near half your class now as early enrollees, which is huge. Uh, we got Alante Brown, wide receiver. He's the only skill position player, so he gets a little bit of a heads up on all the other freshman skill players between wide receivers and running backs because he's the only, only early enrollee we have for that. Uh, Turner Corcoran, he's he's coming in. Uh, he played tackle in high school, as we all know, but he also played guard in the All-American game. So you kind of wonder if maybe there's a move to be made there, which I, cause I think we could use a lot of help at guard and you get a guy that's almost a five-star, why not, right? Uh, Jaden Francois, cornerback. We have four defensive backs coming as early enrollees. Uh, Jaden Francois, one of them, and he was a big four-star get that was big surprise on signing day. Uh, Henry Gray's coming in, another another defensive back. Uh, Blaze Gunnerson's coming in. But he he's probably not going to have much of a chance. He had postseason hip surgery, so I don't know how much you're going to expect out of him in year one. Uh, Timon Lynham is coming, another defensive back. Uh, this kid's big. He's kind of, he's, I know he was kind of rated low, but he's a six foot two cornerback. So he can kind of hang with some of these big 10 receivers, hopefully. Uh, so, I mean, if you're looking for size in the, in the defensive backs and maybe he could find some, some time to get in there. Uh, Etiva Mauga Clements, inside linebacker coming in he's a juco guy there's huge depth issues at inside linebacker as we've all discussed before so i think he's probably your obvious answer as who benefits the most as being an early enrollee uh jordan riley another juco defensive lineman uh they're saying he could play defensive end or defensive tackle i don't know which they'll where they'll put him uh, I, I still think there's a lot of guys there. I don't know if he'll find room to play there unless he really makes it, but we'll see what happens. And last and not, certainly not least is Logan Smothers, who we all know is the quarterback of the class, who will probably not benefit much at all because he probably will not see any playing time. Tyler, who do you see benefiting the most? Well, I'm going to leave one. I'm going to throw one more name in there. Um, while he's not technically a scholarship yet, Isaac Gifford will be there too. Um, yeah, you know, it's tough to say, you know, obviously we've seen some depth issues last year at wide receiver, uh, Alante Brown coming in early, definitely does give him a leg up now of the wide receivers. While I am really high on him, I did have him third as most talented out of this class, you know, so what, where does that end up putting him? I I don't know, but I'm going to go with Francois. Like, I think that secondary, I, you know, the question is, is he going to translate in college as a safety or corner? I think that's a big determination. And I think that, you know, depending on how things shake out, um, you know, with DiCaprio Boodle and where he ends up playing this year, it, it if he doesn't stick at safety, I think that safety position is a position of a hole. And again, obviously, Noah Polo Gates and Quentin Newsom too. But there, I think there's, I think safety, where I kind of see these guys translating is going to be the position of uh, a whole, and I think he's the most likely to benefit 
um, for maybe making a name for himself and getting a, you know, some reps in spring ball and maybe being on the two deep roster come, uh, you know, come the fall. Well, hopefully, with any luck, the rest of the players will put a bunch of stick them on the on the bench where Boodle likes to sit, so he can't get off the bench. Uh, <laughs> really? Come on, wow. Derek. That bad? Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, I, I I like any of these defensive backs getting early playing time. The only problem is I think they got they're gonna have to battle Noah Pola Gates, who's hopefully healthy by by spring, and we can see what he can do. Uh, I think he's gonna get a lot of playing time this year. Uh, the rest of them, I mean, you got two two seniors that probably aren't going to lose their spot at safety. It's really a battle for the cornerback spot. Uh, to me, uh, you're obviously going to want to play more safeties than just those two. However, I don't I don't know who's going to play where. Henry Gray, I think, is a good one that could get some playing time. But again, he's going to have to battle out like Noah Pola Gates, who I believe is listed as a safety if I might be wrong on that but I think he's listed as a safety so I I, I don't know about defensive backs but there's definitely some room to play back there yeah hey let's take a look at the roster numbers Uh, Parker Gabriel of the Lincoln Journal Star he put out an interesting article yesterday uh, talking about the roster numbers in it he states that the roster size has grown to 164 players up from 123 in 2019 And of those 164 players, 131 have joined the program in the last two years since Frost has taken over as head coach. So that is that's incredible uh, with the increase in roster. Tyler, what's your reaction to that? Well, I mean, you know, well, first of all, I think you got to start with the overall numbers of this roster. Right. So Scott Frost came here and he talked about expanding the roster. And I, I, you know, I don't know if everyone saw the value in that and, and I'll put myself in that bucket. I don't know if I see the value in that, but you know, who does is Scott Frost and his vision is coming true. Um, as far as the youth and the, and the, um, you know, the new blood on the roster, I mean, God, it, it just, it's mind blowing to me. And if these guys, especially these last two classes start panning out, um, you know, again, you look two, three years down the road. I mean, the future looks bright in Lincoln. However, we do know there's a little recent history of uh, back-to-back classes not panning out. And and so that's really the question to me with all these new blood is, uh, is this is this the youth that's going to pan out in Lincoln and get us to that next level? Derek, what are your thoughts? Well, I think it's amazing that when you look at that roster, 77 of those guys are freshmen or redshirt freshmen. So damn near half of them are just still have four years of eligibility. So, I mean, we, we've we got the youth. Uh, it's time to start getting them going. Uh, I, I I know Justin's thoughts are, no, no, no. Now Scott Frost don't have an excuse on what he inherited. Uh, but, but I think with seeing how much youth there is on this team, I, I think you can kind of – Maybe understand why they've struggled the last two years. And, and Tyler, you talked about the back-to-back years of uh, recruiting that didn't pan out. Uh, that certainly didn't help with wins and losses. Uh, you know, uh, no one expected Mike Riley's last class to pan out when you have a coaching change. It doesn't normally with any coaching change. 
Uh, and we, we've talked about this before. Scott Frost's biggest mistake was being too loyal to UCF and, play, and coaching in that Peach Bowl when he should have been should have been recruiting and find, maybe if he had found players that were fitting his system a little bit better, maybe they had panned out a little bit better. Do you guys have any concern uh, about the staff's ability to develop that many players on the roster? Uh, you know, going up uh, that many players, you know, forty players. Uh, I mean, development is that an issue? Concern? No. I I don't think it should be. I mean, as long as as long as your guys that you're wanting to physically be in the games. Or getting the reps they need. I don't care what the rest of them do. I know Scott Frost wants to get everybody reps, but keep in mind he also wanted every freshman to play four games, and that didn't happen either. So again, as long as long as the players that are playing in games are getting the reps they need in practice to get better, I, I don't care about how big the roster is. The rest of them are just sitting in the stands being fans anyway. So yeah. But hey, you know, Derek, you kind of stole my thunder there by uh, putting the words in my mouth of what I told you late earlier. But no, I think it is. I think it's a very valid point. For two years, Scott Frost complained about what he inherited, and now he's. This is his team. It should have been his team last year, and it's for sure his team now. So we we don't need to hear I just, that. I just think it's funny that it's his team after one year, and you stuck up for Mike Riley for almost three years, saying it was still Bo Pelini's team. I don't. I don't think that's true at all. I think you can go that back. You can go back to the pod to the podcast in the uh, third year. Maybe of Mike not year Riley. three, but in year two, you were definitely saying he was still stuck with Mike with Bo Pelini players. I mean, they did win nine games that year. I mean, I don't know what that complaint would have been. It won nine, but anyway, no, uh, because we couldn't beat anybody of relevance. Well, we still can't. <laughs> so. Uh, Anything else to add on the roster, Tyler? No, I mean, I, I just, I. Here's the thing. I, I think that Scott Frost and his staff, I, I believe, can develop players. I, I'm not worried about them developing the 120th people on the roster. Again, that's the whole point of the value of that. I'm, that's what you have grad assistance for, is to help these guys get reps. Um, so I, I will tell you, I would love to go watch one of these practices with all these guys. God, that's got to be an interesting uh, sight to see. So, but no, I mean, I'm not, I'm not worried about the coaching development there. Only Justin is. Well, we. Anyway, <laughs> never mind. Hey, uh, let's take a quick break to hear from another great podcast on the Big Heads Media Network. Hey guys, my name is Jay. My co-host Braden and I run the Who Day Talk podcast here on Big Heads. We cover the Cincinnati Bengals along with other NFL and NFL draft-related content. Make sure to subscribe to the Who Day Talk podcast and join us in the jungle for everything Bengals-related. Who Day. All right, guys. The 2019 college football season isn't over yet, but uh, we looked ahead to the Big Ten schedule in 2020. Now, outside of a few games, the non-conference schedule isn't that entertaining. Where is it, Derek? Uh, I guess it depends on who you're going to be excited about. Uh the, the, I will say this: the, the Big Ten West. Shame on you for your scheduling this year. It's it's atrocious. Uh, Nebraska doesn't play a Power Five team. We play Cincinnati, which is going to be probably a top twenty-five team. So that's fa- fine. But I'd still rather see us go after a Power Five team. Uh, Wisconsin scheduled pretty good, and Purdue scheduled pretty good. 
Uh, other than that, nobody else schedule worth a damn. Uh, the games I'm looking forward to probably most all come out mostly come out of the East with uh, Ohio State playing at Oregon. Uh, you know, you got Ohio State in the playoff this year or had them in the playoff this year, and Oregon was kind of just on that outside bubble of. If they could have just not lost that one more game, they probably might have been in that playoff over Oklahoma. Uh, Penn State playing Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's always a scrappy team. I think that could be a fun game to watch. Uh, Michigan playing at Washington in opening week. Uh, it could be a tough game. and it's a good, It could be fun to watch. Uh, other than that, there just really isn't a lot of non-con games to get overly excited as of right now. Maybe when we get closer to the season, I'm sure I'll get excited about a few more of them. But Tyler, any games we'll out see. there? Raspberries. Well, I had uh, three written down, and they've been said. So, yeah, yeah d- no, not much else. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the one game to me is the Michigan uh, at Washington. I think that's a very intriguing game. Obviously, you know Washington has been a good program. You know, we don't know what Michigan is, but obviously Washington just lost their head coach. Um, so it, it will. I think that is to me is the, you know, is a very that that's probably the most intriguing game to me. If Michigan goes out and loses to Washington Week One, which is a losable game, my God, that Jim Harbaugh, like the little hate that's out there, is gonna get really loud early in the season. I I have uh, three games out of the West that I'll add to this. Uh, first one, Wisconsin Notre Dame. I think that's that could be very interesting next year, especially being in Lambeau Field. Oh yeah, I mean, absolutely. It doesn't it doesn't change much for. It's just fun to watch watch these kids, but get a chance to play in a pro stadium. Even uh, though everyone hated that for bowl games, but carry on, Justin. Well, that's that's different, you know. It's in September. Yeah, so September. It's, and it's not December. I mean, because yeah. when uh, everyone thinks Lambeau Field, they think September. That's exactly right. Go on. Yeah, nobody wants to play it or sit in the stands to watch those crappy games. Hey, uh, Iowa, Iowa State. They play it every single year, but it's going to get up there just because the Big Ten West is so weak in scheduling. And the other one that I have is uh, mildly entertaining uh, is Purdue Memphis. Uh, this is a game where uh, Purdue will face Memphis after they face Nebraska. So we'll either tell we'll be able to see how good uh, Purdue really is after that game. You know, after we face them. So go ahead, Derek. Well, and look, all, all props to Purdue. They scheduled Memphis Air Force and at Boston College for their non-con games. Yeah, that is a fairly brutal non-con schedule. None of them were brutally great, especially with Memphis losing their coach. I don't know how good they're going to be, but they're all good teams. Like, none of them are shit teams. Yeah, they, they have the toughest non-conference schedule in the conference. Well, I mean, come on. Rutgers playing Monmouth? Doesn't that rock your boat? Well, completely. Will they be favored in that <laughs> game? I mean, are we sure they're going to be favored? Uh, yeah, there probably won't be a line on that game because I didn't know Monmouth. Monmouth's going to think they're playing basketball. Monmouth, man. Monmouth, not Monmouth. <laughs> they're like going to think they're playing basketball. I mean, I mean our, our non-conference schedule, I, I know there's not a lot of great names, and we'll talk about this, but 
I, I'm not sitting here saying that, that that's a cakewalk of a non-conference schedule. You know, Cincinnati was a top 25 team this year. Central Michigan, um, you know, with what uh, Jim uh, McElwain has done there, has done a really nice job. So if he remains head coach, I think that's a that, that could be a sneaky game. And then South Dakota State, I mean, they've taken out Power 5 teams. I mean, they played... Uh, was it was it them who, or is it North Dakota who played Minnesota this year? It was uh, South Dakota State, right? Was it was I? I, was, I don't remember, but I, I thought it was, but I, it might have been North. Anyway, but North, South Dakota State has had history. I, again, it's not the most exciting, but I actually think next year's non-conference schedule is more difficult than this last year's non-conference schedule. Sure. I think I think you're only saying that because of the struggles of Nebraska. If this was ten years ago when Bo Pelini was here, we would have been bitching about this non-con schedule. And if we didn't kill them, then we'd all be sitting here going, "Well, Jesus Christ, it's going to be a shitty year because we didn't kill all these guys." I mean, Justin, you and I talked about it the other night about last time we played South Dakota State, or two times ago when we played South Dakota State, and the score was only seventeen to three. And we were like, geez, this team really sucks. Yeah. And it turned out it was in 2010, one of the best defenses we've had in recent history. Uh, hey, I want to ask you, Tyler, about uh, who, whose non-conference schedule is better. Uh, Minnesota has Florida Atlantic, Tennessee Tech, and BYU. Compare that with Nebraska. Whose conference, non-conference schedule is tougher? Oh, man, that's tough. I, I mean, I'd probably say Minnesota's. Yeah. I mean, BYU is kind of that sneaky team. Um you know, I, I where is that game? I don't got the schedule in front of me. Is that at BYU or? Uh, it's at Minnesota. It's at Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably give the edge to Minnesota there. Yeah, but I mean, Grant, I, I would give the. I, I will say this: I'll give the edge to Nebraska in that one. Even though I still think Nebraska's schedule is shitty, I don't think Minnesota's any better. Florida Atlantic just lost their coach. But I don't know what they're going to be next year. The, the only reason I'll give Nebraska the slight edge is because of the Tennessee Tech schedule in there. That's fair. I, I, I was more thinking of those games. The, the game that I would imagine is the toughest is BYU of those six. I think Cincinnati's tougher than BYU at this point, though, aren't they? Especially with everything Cincinnati has coming back this year, being a top 25 team. Yeah, I, mean, I would think yeah, so. BYU was never a top 25 team. No, but BYU... I, you might be right. Again, Cincinnati, I think they're going to be preseason top 25. Um, I What are they returning? 17 starters? 18? Like so, Somewhere around, somewhere around I mean, there. They're, they're bringing a lot of talent back. They're bringing back their they quarterback. They a few offensive linemen, yeah. but they bring back most of their offense. The quarterback's coming back. Um, no, Cincinnati's going to be a tough game. I Again, I, I'm not prepared to really give a forecast on BYU at this point, but... Just off name value alone, I think BYU's been a little bit tougher. You know, remember the when we lost to them under Mike Riley. I mean, they, they have shown the ability of beating teams. Did they beat USC this year? Um, I mean, they're they're a team that that they could they've showed up um, that they they can play in big games. So I don't know. I mean, again, both of those are not overly impressive non conference schedules. You know who else plays BYU? Michigan State. Michigan State plays at BYU, Toledo, and they have a game against Miami. Uh, and the Miami game could be intriguing. Which team can try and make a comeback and <laughs> be a good team again? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, hey, 
At least we're not Illinois playing Illinois State, UConn, and Bowling Green. Okay? I wish we were this year. Well, I'm hoping we don't need to play those teams. Even, even I mean, Wisconsin, I'll give them the Notre Dame, but Southern Illinois and App State. And, look, I know everyone's going to say, oh, App State was really good last year. But let's face it. They, they, they scheduled App State thinking it was a cupcake. They did not schedule App State thinking they were going to be a 10-win team coming into this season. And did App State just lose their coach? Did they? I thought I thought App- Appalachian State's coach just left. Well, you know, that's, a, that's kind that. of embarrassing because we're transitioning into the head coach discussion, and uh, I don't have that one. Uh, <laughs> there's been a lot of – there's been some interesting movements in the head coaching carousel this year. Not a lot of them, but there's uh, been a few. Uh, Lane Kiffin. Left uh, Florida Atlantic to go to Ole Miss. Matt Rule left Baylor to go to the Carolina Panthers. Mike Leach left uh, Washington State for Mississippi State. You got Mike Norvell from Memphis going to Florida State. And Chris Peterson retiring. Uh, Which of the head coaches uh, is the most surprising to you, Derek? Ah, man, I don't know. I'm going to go with the Lane Kiffin still being the most surprising because I really honestly thought he would never get another Power 5 job again after the USC, Tennessee, after the Tennessee experiment to USC whole kerbuffle and then getting Lane Kiffin out of USC. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he became a verb. His name became a verb because he was such a bad coach. Uh, so I think, I think he's probably my biggest surprise that he actually got a Power 5 job. I want to say Mike Leach would have been my biggest surprise, but it was been rumored that he was leaving Washington State all year. Like everyone thought in the offseason he was going to get another job. So I guess I shouldn't be too surprised by that. Uh, Mike Norvell, you knew he had to get a job somewhere, right? Like the things he was doing at Memphis, I don't know if I see Florida State being the best position for him, but. We'll see what happens. He's got to be an upgrade from Willie Taggart, who, by the way, I think is back at FAU. So Minnesota ought to be able to wipe the floor with him because he couldn't even win with five-star guys. Yeah, Tyler, which is uh, your most surprising head coaching move? And uh, just to clarify, uh, yes, App State is hired, just hired a new coach. Aliyah Dirkwitz uh, just became the new head coach at Missouri, left App State for Missouri. Um, oh, that's right. That's right. And so I, I did. I did see Missouri got a new coach. I didn't realize he came from App State, so, though. Anyway, um, but no, I, I'm gonna go with Leach. Um, you know, Derek kind of said, that, yeah, there were rumors he was leaving. You know, there was a little element of that, though. I, you know, I don't know if I ever believed that. I thought that was kind of a good spot for Mike Leach. It was kind of the Texas Tech of uh, the Pac-12 a little bit, just kind of the in name brand alone. Um, I am, but what makes that one, I, I don't know, the most shocking, but the, definitely to me the most intriguing, along with Lane Kiffin, is look at those press conferences for those Alabama games. Lane Kiffin, Mike Lee talking about uh, Nick Saban. Oh, let the trash talk begin. I, I am, you know, the SEC West has gotten a lot more intriguing outside of the Big Ten. That is the most premier conference uh, that I'll keep my eyes on every week just because I feel like they've now got upgraded coaches. And Derek, I disagree. I think Lane Kiffin, you know, obviously he blew up at USC and kind of really failed miserably. But I, I did see him getting back in the Power Five. I, I always thought there was a shot at that. Um, 
I think he, you know, he found a probably a pretty good fit for him. Um, but no, I mean, it's going to be a, no, I, I think that those are probably at the top of the list. Well, I think you're in a minority with the Lane Kiffin thing, but let me say this for the first time in my life, the egg bowl may be entertaining. You get the two Mississippi schools clashing on Mike Leach against uh, Lane Kiffin. Could make for some entertainment, especially when you talk about post game interviews. Even pre game interviews may be fun with them too. I don't know. So, who made a worst hire out of these schools that we mentioned? Who's the worst hire? Ooh, that's a great question. I, I would probably go with Washington hiring Jimmy Lake. As I the only reason I say that is I know nothing about Jimmy Lake. Well, let's not talk about. And, let's just uh, talk about the coaches that we just talked about, like Lane Kiffin, Mike Leach, Mike Norvell. Out of those three, let's, let's keep it down to those three. Okay, I I, I think they're all good hires. Really, really? I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I I guess if you, if you put a gun to my head, I'd probably say maybe Mike Leach just because of his air raid offense and lack of defense. I don't know how well that sits up in the SEC. But after looking at the SEC last year, who was playing great defense? Yeah. Tyler, who do you think? Yeah, I mean, God, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I honestly, I'm with Derek. I really like all of those ones. Um, You know, I think, God, I if I had a pick between those three, I – I probably would go Mike Leach, but I think that they're, again, you look at some of the other power five with Jimmy Lake, Greg Schiano um, is another one, you know, coming back to a power five school. Um, I, I think those two, I would definitely say are probably, you know, doomed for failure. What? Um, you think Greg Schiano is a worse hire than Mike Leach? I think Mike, oh. yeah, I think Mike Leach will have more success. That, that's only because there's no such thing as success at Rutgers. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, w- w- when they're when they're in a group of five conference, maybe there's a chance for success. There's no chance of success for the Rutgers in the Big Ten East. Yeah. Like, there's just no chance. I, here's the thing with Mike Leach, and, and I get the air raid offense, and again, I, he probably would be my pick there. But the guy has been a good coach. I mean, he or he has had good results. Is he is he an All American? I mean, you know, is he a whatever, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer coach or anything like that? No, but I mean, I think the guy has had a pretty good record coaching. He did a pretty good job at Washington State. Um, I mean, he obviously did a great job at Texas Tech, but I mean, you know, of his last. Last year was kind of a disaster, but it's four years up to that. He won eight or nine games and even had an 11-win season. So I think Mike Leach is a good enough coach, um, but probably the worst of those three. Okay, first off, I'm going to take my Mike Leach back and go with uh, Lane Kiffin because I kind of just trashed him anyway. But, Tyler, what you're saying about uh, Mike Leach, he's Bo Pelini-esque. Like, Okay, he's he's a mediocre coach that can win you some games, but he's not going to take you anywhere. And, and Lane Kiffin, did FAU even have a good season this year? They won the conference. Did they? Yeah. Yeah, but didn't they have like four or five losses? Uh, I think they had some several out uh, non-conference losses. 
I just don't remember them being very great this year. I guess I, I didn't pay. Obviously, I didn't pay a lot of attention to Florida Atlantic because I don't give two shits about Florida Atlantic. But well, they're, they're, uh, they're, I'm, 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 I'm going to stick with Lane Kiffin because I still I think he's a good coordinator. I think I just don't know if he's a good head coach again, especially in a for a big school. Yeah, he I can mean, recruit. He can he recruit. Can re- he though. can recruit. And, he can. And, and Ole Miss is a pretty good ground to recruit from. And he did okay at uh, FAU. I think he had. I think this year they won ten games. I think he had like eleven win season in there. He had one bad year. I don't remember if his first or second year, but whatever. Lane Kiffin, you know, USC is just it was such a disaster towards the end of that. But I mean. People kind of forget he did have a 10-win season at USC. He did an all-right job at Tennessee before that in the SEC. He obviously coached alongside uh, Nick Saban, which was hilarious when Nick Saban would shit on him. I I don't know. I think he did an okay job in the NFL. Obviously, he didn't have a long career. But, no, I, I mean, I think Lane – and he's still young, even though – He's gotten really doughy over recent years, and he's aging horribly. Yeah, like I mean, it's like the, it's like forty four. Yeah, he looks he looks bad, <laughs> like Job of the Hut kind of. Well, I'll say this: he's no Monty Kiffin, that's for sure. No, no, he's not. But okay, so let's ask the other way: who who do you got, who do you think the best hire is of that? Mike Norvell, hands 100%. down. Yeah, and hands down, I, I will say I'm a little skeptical on. His style of play at Florida State, I do think he's the best hire, though. Yeah, he's that dude's solid right there. He's going to be. They, they made the right choice by uh, getting him and shit cannon Billy Taggart. I mean, so uh, you hope. Well, yeah, exactly. We'll see. We will see. I I personally hope he fails miserably and goes like zero and twelve, because I hate Florida State and I like seeing him lose. Well, there is that. There is that. Uh, all right, guys. Anything else, or let's? Uh, you guys ready to get out of here? All right, let's do it. Yeah. All right, it's time for last call. No topic is off limits. Last call to you, Tyler. Oh, my last call goes out to the NFL. I, I, I'm a huge fan of the NFL, and Wild Card Weekend did not disappoint. You saw Tom Brady lose, Drew Brees lose, an overtime game um, with uh, the the Texans and the Bills. Um, and, and now this weekend, you've got four great matchups with Minnesota at San Francisco, Tennessee at Baltimore, Houston uh, at Kansas City, and Seattle at Green Bay. So I guess of all those home teams, don't ask a different way, who do you think's most likely to lose? I, I'll go first and say I think Green Bay is probably the most likely on the chopping block this weekend. Ooh. Derek? Well, first off, I want to go back to your – Tom Brady, Drew Brees comment. Yeah, shock, surprise. The two quarterbacks walking around with walkers lost. Big deal. <laughs> They're both in their 60s. Come on. It's not a surprise they lost. Uh, you're probably right. I'll go, I'll go with Green Bay. He's probably got the best chance of losing. Uh, I don't know. Uh, who's Baltimore playing again? Uh, Tennessee. Oh, they probably got the best chance of losing. I, I think Baltimore's probably... Right, right now, from what I've watched in the last half of the season, Baltimore's best team in the NFL. Hey, yeah, Lamar Jackson. I tell you, what, that dude is—he's he's awesome. He really is. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm going to go with Houston. I, I love KC. 
Kansas City, I have the futures bet on uh, KC winning the Super Bowl, so I think Houston's going down. Um, I'm looking at the lines right here. Uh, Kansas City and Baltimore are both 10-point favorites. San Francisco is 7-point favorites over Minnesota. And Green Bay is 5-point favorites over Seattle. And you guys like uh, Green Bay to lose that one, huh? So well, most likely, most likely to lose. It wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Seattle's played better this year. I don't know what I mean. Green Bay struggled at times. I would say I know they've played some crappy teams and come up with wins where they're only winning by one or two points. Well, so, and I'll say this: I, I could see them struggling against a good team like Seattle. And I'll say this: I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to be the best quarterback on the field. I think Russell Wilson's a better quarterback at this point in their careers. Yeah. Well, I mean, come on. Again, Aaron Rodgers may not be in his walker yet, but he's definitely getting Kane age. <laughs> but isn't hey, it, it's, it, it's crazy with these young quarterbacks. You have Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, um, uh, the the Kansas City quarterback who I'm blanking on right now. Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. How can you forget his Jim, name? I know. MV, uh, runner up to MVP. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, there's a lot of young quarterbacks that are playing – I mean, it's kind of a – it feels like a new era in the NFL. What, what, what's really funny about it is none of these quarterbacks were even really high-drafted quarterbacks. Uh, was was Garoppolo even drafted, or was he a like a I free think, agent? No, he was signing? like a third-round pickup. Uh, yeah, okay. I think New England got him in the third round, I believe. I mean, Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, didn't they have like two guys drafted ahead of them? Lamar Jackson had. I, I know. I know. Like I, I know. Uh, Lamar Jackson. They they said he needed to be a wide receiver because yeah. he wasn't. He would never make it as a quarterback in the NFL. Mitch Trubisky, I believe, who's not even didn't even make the playoffs, was drafted ahead of I think both of them guys. Yeah, and you have and you have Ryan Tannehill, who was written off like his career is done, and Kirk Cousins. How do you like that? I mean, like I mean, <laughs> How do you, you like, like that? that? Do you like do that? You like that? Yeah. Yeah, that moron. That stupid Michigan State alum. All right. Uh, by the way, for our listeners. Nobody likes a Spartan. For our listeners, we record over Skype. And, Tyler, I'm seeing crutches in the background there. What the hell is up with those crutches? You really going to make me do this? Uh, so, I, I decided to go to the gym, try to be in shape, try to be a little healthy. And, uh, you know, went lifted weights and then got done and was going to play some basketball and... My wife was downstairs playing, shooting some hoops, and I was going to play a, a little bit of basketball, so I was kind of messing around, just shooting hoops with her, warming up. And uh, I went up, kind of were playing just like a little one-on-one, not really playing, and I just went up for a layup against my five foot seven beautiful wife and uh, landed on my leg and tore my uh, a tendon in my knee. So I'm officially old, and I can't do anything. Oh, so, my God. That that's that's how, I, how tall is Jordan? Yeah, five seven. She's like four, five seven, probably one hundred and ten, soaking wet. Yeah, yeah she's about you get five, your ass kicked by a little girl. Yeah, she, she's five inches taller than you, Derek, and, and it's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> it's embarrassing. That's, that doesn't take much. Come on. Well played. So you tore your tendon playing basketball at the I wasn't the even gym. playing. I, I mean, I... Against your wife. I, I literally, I went up for a layup and came down on my knee and landed was on my a, left, and it felt a pop. Was it a contested layup, or did 
did, I, no, did she no, let you have I, it? I, I, I mean, my, my, my great athleticism, you know, flew right by and, uh, you know, and when it was a pretty wide open layup and yeah, no, I just, yeah. So it sucks. Cause I had pl- many plans to go skiing here and, uh, oh, I'm, no. yeah. I'm, I'm nervous. I already got ski passes and I, I mean, I'm, did you at I'm, least make them laugh? You know, she says I didn't make it. I was quite a bit of pain after I missed it, but you know, I don't know. Did, but, did, did she did did she Bobby Portis yet? Did she what? Have you have you the Portis? Have you seen his last two block attempts? I, I have not. One, one was against uh, Anthony Caldwell Pope. Oh man, go 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 Google it. Go get on YouTube and look at him because he hammers him right in the head and about knocked the guy out. Then he did it again last night against another player. I can't remember his name. Well, uh, so I thought maybe she did that to you, but no, no, no. no but I, but I appreciate you guys caring about me and wishing me a well recovery as I'm in having to crutch my ass around. And being... can I get those ski tickets from you if you already paid for them? <laughs> You've come up and visit. All right, I'm on my way. All right, hey, last call to you, Derek. All right, uh, well. I, I forgot what he was doing last call at this point because <laughs> we were making fun of Tyler, and that usually makes my day. Uh, so I'll just go with Miles Jones heading to Tennessee but as a walk-on. I, I'm a little surprised by this. Uh, it doesn't necessarily surprise me he's getting a Power 5 team, but I just as a walk-on, I, I, it makes you wonder what they're promising him. I don't know, but so, something strange there, I think. I've... You know, I was surprised that he actually ended up at a Power 5 school. I didn't think he would, but, you know, what do I know? Tyler? Well, it's Tennessee, so it's barely a Power 5 school. So, I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, I think, you know, it, you know, Miles Jones was a guy that came to Nebraska, and he was a really intriguing guy. You know, he was kind of Wandell Robinson, but not quite as good when he came to school injuries kind of derailed him a little bit and um you know i i'm i'm happy that he left um in the sense that i i really saw his spot in the roster really not existing i i just didn't see any i mean i don't think i would have had him in the three deep at any position group so i i you know anytime a guy doesn't work out i always wish the best for him and but not too good because if he crushes at tennessee i'm gonna be really pissed off that he left yeah All right, my last call goes out to the national championship game. It's on Monday night. LSU is a a six-and-a-half-point favorite over Clemson. Uh, You have to bet this. Who are you betting on, Tyler? I'm betting on uh, Clemson all day because as much as this game matters for money, it matters more for the pick'em because after all these tiebreakers we keep doing, Derek and I keep tying and Justin, you keep falling further and further back, <laughs> and it, it, it comes down to one game. Derek has LSU, I have Clemson, and so of course I'll take the five and a half points all day. Six gonna, and a half. Say, oh hell yeah. Let, yeah! let it rain. I'm gonna bet my book on that. <laughs> Derek, what do you have? I said it on the last podcast. LSU wins by two touchdowns or more. So I'm taking LSU all day long. All right. That's not a big deal for me. I'm betting Clemson in this one. Getting six and a half points, I love it. I think Clemson can win outright in this no! game. 
No, no, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> yes, yes, he does. Yes, he does. Kiss of death. Tyler, if anybody has the kiss of death when it came to the best bet segment, that was you, man. That was you. Yeah, I was with you until you said, I think Clemson can win outright. I, I think they can. That's my point. Oh, whatever. All right. Let's get out of here. Uh, go get your knee fixed. Uh, special thanks to Connor Russell for putting this audio together for us. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on fake Facebook. Look for episodes on Podbean, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and BigHeadsMedia.com. Rate, review, and subscribe. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we, we want to thank everybody for listening. And as always, go Big Red. Go Big Red! This is Wiggins again inside the 10. Touchdown!